Welcome to another catch-up of the week in motorsport, although uh, I think this this week we're going to be very much focused on supercars, and by we, I say, of course, myself, Shane, and uh, Sydney Cross for me is Sean. Mate, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Shane. And how could you not be well uh, living in Perth after the most amazing weekend we've just had up there at Wanneroo Raceway? Absolutely, huge weekend. And I must apologise to everyone who's probably sitting going, wondering where was last weekend's, uh, last week's episode. <laughs> I'm going to come clean. Trying to be honest, come on. I was going to come clean. <laughs> I was very, very exhausted in the week leading up to that. Okay, right. um, yes. It just finished, I think another episode we've done one episode podcast before you came that's correct uh to to join to do this one um could i do two podcasts yep i uh, just finished an episode and i was feeling a little bit tired <laughs> i may have nodded off <laughs> in the middle of recording that episode a few times to the point where uh in the recording there's actually me snoring <laughs> Ever so lightly, but oh, it's still there. Funny. Um, <laughs> but somehow still appearing awake to you because you never even noticed. <laughs> That's right. Um, and going off on random tangents while talking about Daniel Ricardo and stuff. So, well, it's it's kind of funny. You have the ability to speak when you're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that was very very funny. And uh, you're right. I didn't really notice a couple of words. I thought I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. But oh no, that's fine. Play on. And I just carried on. And uh, maybe it was my talking that woke you up again. But that was really funny. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a little bit of a snooze during the uh, podcast. <laughs> so yeah, we've made. I've, I've filled myself with caffeine uh, to make sure I get through tonight. Absolutely. I was, I was still a little bit exhausted after the weekend. And, uh, of course, that weekend, as you mentioned, the supercars back in Perth. Oh. First time since 2019. Yep. Um, what a show. Absolutely. And, of course, being on uh, uh, say, on Saturday night, being under lights, Sunday being daytime, but uh, under lights isn't the the uh, WA Sporting Car Club, don't they do a magnificent job there at Wanneroo Raceway? You know, that was so special, so spectacle. It's, uh, they put on a magnificent nighttime racing show. And I think uh, Wanneroo Raceway really suits itself to, uh, you know, to twilight or evening racing. I think it really Abs- does. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the WA Sporting Car Club, um, for many years, actually used to run the uh, the event up there, and they haven't done that for a few years. But they're still very much responsible for making sure the ground, yeah, you know, the grounds around the raceway, especially leading up to the supercars, presents itself really, really nicely. Yeah. Um, and I know being up there during the week uh, for other other things that were going on, um, including what we talked about last week, which but when which obviously didn't get to where was, you know, a few Super 2 drivers and that up there testing. Um, one who was very naughty uh, and should not have been in his car and out there testing. Um, you know, whereas you had like Brock Feeney in a car that's nothing like the supercars, so he yep. was allowed to test. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, poor, uh, I think it was Super 3's, uh, Vaughan, last name Vaughan. Um, yep. Yep. Got a cop to, cop to fine. Um it was like ten thousand dollars or something. That's that. that's steep, isn't it? But that is you know, steep. like it's very clearly stated in the rules. Um, you cannot test in a car uh, bearing any resemblance or similarity to 
um, the Super 2, Super 3 or Super Cars. Yes, yes. So um, what he should have done was jumped in a Radical. Yep. Um, because they're not classed as being similar. Yeah, indeed um, not, no. So, yeah, and he would have been fine, but unfortunately he took his car out on track and supercars found out, which of course they would because obviously everyone grabbed their cameras out and was like, holy crap. Yep, what are you doing out there? And, uh, <laughs> yep, cop the fine, so. Understandably, it's something that um, Supercar is very strict on how much testing you can do, and they have several testing sessions per uh, per season, usually one um, pre, pre-season test. Like, they have a shakedown, then a pre-season test before the start of the season, usually one around July and thereabouts, and then one just before Sandown, the original Sandown, just before the Enduros, and then you have your Bathurst warm-up. Um, but yeah, it's something that is very strict, and that because that um, the reason they're so strict is because it brings the f- the field together. What I'm saying is, uh, the wealthy teams can afford to test every day. Yeah, and the budget teams can't afford, and Correct. that extra data that the uh, wealthy teams could afford to uh, to get from testing every day, uh, you know, effectively would uh, would make the uh, the field um, you know really uh, really different in speeds. It's um, a huge advantage to do more testing. Um, Absolutely, there has been cases though where cars have been caught out. I remember going back probably twenty years ago, there was a team caught out taking their cars up to uh, in South Australia to. An abandoned airstrip and um there wasn't a lot of footage or anything but the rumor came back and i as i do recall they were uh, they were fined uh, mm. quite 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 largely of course, uh, of course a way around it is actually to uh do driver day um ride days it is indeed yes which um they they did up at perth and um so you had um a few of the super two and super three drivers step up and um, Fabian Coulthard also returned back to the track to um, jump in one of the Walkinshaw Commodores. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so um, Zach Best also got a bit of a step up and was able to throw one of the one of the uh, supercars around. So it gives a bit of a chance for them to do some testing, but obviously they can't go all the way out with, uh, no, with passengers in the car. but No, I believe it's 80% yeah. is the fast, is the uh, maximum we are to do now. Um, 80% I, of holy shit is still holy shit. That's, you're done right, <laughs> absolutely. And look, I've been privileged enough to be in a passenger of a V8 supercar on two occasions. Firstly, with Jack Perkins for the Eagleston Motorsport team. And secondly, for uh, with Adam Marjoram, yep. the good lad from Auto One there in Morley. And uh, amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> experience and uh, it's funny how a large bloke by itself they were able to shoehorn me in the passenger seat uh, the belts fitted and it was just a really sensational experience um, but yeah that's one thing that you will find that uh, some of the teams will uh, like I think in the lead up to Bathurst for instance you might find Greg Murphy and Richie Stanaway doing yeah. quite a few drive days for instance for yeah. uh, the teams I think I think they're with the uh, Walk and Train Ready United I think that's the their third car mm, might be wrong about no. that yeah, I'm not, yeah I might, might be wrong about that. I know Peter Adderton's been all over the yep. social media with that. So um, yeah, 
But no, I think it's a boots. I think it's a boost mobile mobile entry of some oh, sort. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's you know an example of uh, of a good way of getting kilometres under your belt is to uh, take the uh, the ride cars. I know that the uh, Brad Jones will sometimes uh, take his team down to the old Calder Park of all places in yeah. Melbourne there, and uh, obviously it's a little bit too far to expect all the Melbourneites to head out to Winton, uh, close to his track, so they'll have drive days at Calder Park, for instance, yeah. and. That obviously is not one of the tracks in the uh, the V8 Supercar calendar anymore. Uh, but yeah, that is probably the best way of getting laps, apart from doing exactly what um, what the young lad there did, uh, Brock Feeney, coming over from the Eastern States and uh, uh, going down to a rise racing. I believe he uh, was was he came to Perth last Sunday, I think, and uh, did plenty yeah, of testing. Jumping on Monday, did, yeah. did the day up there with Horizon, yeah. Plenty of testing. And, I mean, the great coaches there, their BD Suter Dawson, uh, you name it, Jordan Oon, you're in the yeah. best hands up there. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, just to confirm, Greg Murphy, Richie Stanaway, uh, Boost Mobile backed Erebus. Uh, Erebus, sorry about that. Yep. yep. Exactly, yep. yeah. That's so uh, I know, um, I know that... Um, Adderton and uh, Ryan Walkinshaw have a bit of a love-hate relationship on social media. Gotcha. Okay, um, yes. So, yeah, we, we would definitely not like to accuse um, Peter Adderton of using Ryan Walkinshaw as his uh, return of, uh, you know, of getting the other two back into, into supercars. Yes, no, I wish to apologise <laughs> to both gentlemen <laughs> thoroughly. Uh, but, yeah, look, it's going to be great to see uh, Richie Stanaway. Sort of, he sort of walked away from the sport in some respects. He had a, uh, a bit of a rough time there with Gary Rogers Motorsport and, uh, yeah, sort of literally just walked away from the sport after a few issues. And, of course, Greg Murphy, well, who can forget uh, the lap of the gods there at Bathurst, uh, two, uh, two minutes and six seconds. And, of course, his... Um, his uh, amazing outburst that time when he drove off with half the uh, petrol uh, uh, filling system still attached to his car and he got a five-minute penalty. And we all remember him uh, approaching his uh, pit team and uh, shouting out, five minutes! <laughs> Iconic Greg Murphy through and through. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, the um, back to the weekend's racing, and you know, I think we're just going to pretty much stay on supercars for this whole whole discussion because it was uh, pretty action-packed. And we'll start off with the support categories. Now, support categories for the weekend, locally we had the historic touring cars. Um, there was also a national round of the Radical Cup, um, which was mainly entered by the Arise Racing team. I think it was uh, 12, uh, 12 or 14 of the 16 entries was uh, yes. Arise Racing, um, which, to be honest, is a very, very poor effort by the Eastern States teams who, you know, Arise travels all the time, you know, and Western Australians always do it, always travel over east to go racing, always put the effort in. Um, we understand with the borders being down, uh, so we've been up, why they wouldn't have come. With the borders down, no excuse. Um, only had a couple of injuries for very recent. I think it was very poor showing, uh, especially yeah. at, you know, being given a entry to, you know, basically to be on the main stage with supercars as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's a, a great category, Radical Racing, and uh, it's a huge journey for the West Australians to travel to. Even our closest uh, neighbours there in South Australia, huge journey. Um, and so, you know, we travel across and then to Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales, massive effort. But, uh, yeah, you would have thought on such a, a great stage that the uh, some more of the... And they have to do it once, once in the year. Yeah, well, that's right. It's not like, you know, it's you know, WA going east... 
you know, six times a year or you know, no. five times a year or whatever it is. So no. And know, even, once a year. Yep. And even on a get a hum- bloody transporter. Yeah, well that's right. Pour yes. all your money. Get your bums over here. Absolutely. Stop um, being wankers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're not that precious. Um, but of course the other thing with uh, the radicals is uh, Radical Australia basically have an East Coast branch and a West Coast branch. Correct. And the West Coast branch, of course, being in Warneroo, and the East Coast branch, I think, is in New South Wales. Um, so it's pretty much just oh so in other words, what I'm saying is there's basically two um, points of reference there, and you can buy radicals from uh, Wanneroo Raceway, and you can also buy them from uh, from the, their second um, outlet in Sydney, I think it is. Um, but yeah, no, it would have been good to have come across. And the other thing is, uh, if you're living in Victoria, for instance, or New South Wales, wouldn't you want to come to WA and get away from your cold weather on you know, oh, late a, April, early I mean, May? It was a bit chilly on Saturday morning, but... Uh... Yeah, imagine how chilly it would have been in Melbourne, though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was pretty wet and miserable, um, but yeah. So those so those are the two sort of I guess localish categories. I mean, yeah. We, and then uh, of course from there you had Super Three, Super Two, uh, the V Eight Super Utes, and um, the the Super Utes were were interesting. You know, they're, they're obviously a very different format to the old uh, V Eight yes. Utes. Yes, yeah. um, it's not a Holden versus Ford category. No, no, indeed. I know uh, they have been copying a lot of flack because of that. Yeah. Um, people some can't seem to be willing to get over that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, in Gen 3, hello. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but out on track, you know, flames, close racing, bump drafting, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, look, it yeah. It was good. Yes. And the best bit yep. is you weren't guaranteed that if they went to that sand pit that they were going to get stuck. Yeah, gotcha. Some yep. of them got back out. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess you'd hope having the um, the, the high clearance um, it's, it's sort not, of... It's it's a bit higher than a C. Yeah. It's high for a race car. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yep. yeah, nowhere near what they normally are. But still, no. you know, they're, they're sort of able to... A couple of them able to go through and... Um, a couple of them need lessons on sand traps, I think. Like, don't yeah. turn. Yes, yes. When you're in the sand trap, don't turn. Just drive straight for the wall. Exactly. Where the hard stuff is and keep going. But I think that happened in all the categories across the weekend. Yeah. But um, I think, and I'm probably going to cop a lot of flack for this, um, potato category of the week. Weekend. Yep. yep. Um, and historic touring cars. Something happened in that first race. Yes. Uh, we're having flags little... were waved. Flags were ignored. Yes, but they were ignored, basically. Yes. Um, you know, the, there was uh, some cars were left sitting on the grid for a long time that should have been turned off. Um, you know, and that, um, speaking with a few of the historic guys, they were like, yeah, we, we probably should have um, communicated that we're on the grid for a bit too long and just shut the engines off. Um, but some of us are, you know, have engines that might not necessarily fire up again that quickly. So they were sort of hoping to get underway. But, uh, yeah, I think it was only a couple of laps they ended up getting in and um, yellow flags, racing, overtaking, safety car. All ignored. Going past <laughs> the checkered flag. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, But in the, to their credit, came back for the rest of that day on Saturday Put on a fantastic show for the rest of the weekend. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, yep. they were unfortunately were cut from the Sunday um, afternoon race, which you know when you when you have a um, uh, a race meet that 
has to be finished by a certain time. Yeah, for sure. Um, you have to make changes. Yep. And you can't cut supercars. No, indeed not. No, and then it that. filters down from there. Yep. So. Yep. Um, you know the radicals had already run their race, so they were they were essentially safe. Um, and then, you know, the incident with Scott Pye happened. Um, so you know, and, and at one stage, the, um, it looked like the the super utes could have ended up chopped as well. But yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, because they were sort of the next in the pecking line. So yes, historics. Um, because super, uh, radicals were already raced, so it was historics. Then uh, super utes on the line. And then they would have looked probably chopped into Super Two's time after that. But yeah, um, as it was, they managed to get back out and going, and which again was you know a testament to the to the local car club. Oh, absolutely, um, to, yeah. To patch that gate. Yes, yeah. But, there's a couple uh, of issues. Yeah, a couple of back. But. Yeah, a couple of issues with those gates, and that they actually uh, stick out a little bit. And the same on the other side of the track uh, towards the old pit, uh, the old pit complex. Uh, if you look at the gate, when it shuts, it doesn't sort of shut underneath the wall as, as you would hope. It sort of juts out a little bit. Well, that's That, I believe, is actually the plate. There's actually a plate on the outside which is used to secure and hold it in place. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, look, it's an old old track and, you know, upgrade as you can and, um, you know, but, yeah, facilities there are still... Oh, perfect. But amazing. Magnificent. Oh, yeah. It brings on great racing and, of course, uh, having the new, uh, the V8 supercars having their own pit complex in the centre yeah. um, is a heck of an improvement on the old days when they used to uh, park out the back of the pits and used to have to drive the cars through all the people. Um, <laughs> I remember at one stage there was one season there where the cars were coming from the back and they actually fitted the V8 supercars with horns. <laughs> they actually had like a little horn, and uh, because you know when they're driving through through the crowd, all the only way they can uh, track the tension of those just strolling along in front of them is rev the living suitcase out of the engine. You know that's the only way you can say, "Hey, I'm here, get out of my way." Um, but yeah, now they have their own paddock, which is uh, has been a you know a great uh, concept and uh, very much appreciated there at the Perth. Uh, sorry, at the uh, Wanneroo Raceway. Um, but yeah, it's very um, very interesting. I noticed that. Uh, you're speaking about the super utes, and I was wondering if maybe they could have reduced the length of, say, race four, for instance, to fit it in because they were 15 lap races. I thought maybe you might have, you know, reduced it down to say half distance, eight laps or thereabouts. Championship points. Yeah, it's always what it comes back to. Yeah. So obviously, within all the rules and regs, and you know, the the millions of pages of documentation, isn't there just? There's there's one little part in there which says this many laps must be completed. Yeah. For to declare a result, yeah, and then on top of that, um, you've then got where you come into the points situation. So, um, you know, my my feeling would be that, you know, because they want to, they probably want to grow super utes as a category, yeah, um, and they probably wouldn't want to do any harm to it by nah, good point doing yeah. racing half races and stuff like that. Yeah. So they try and fit in as much as possible. Yep, and uh, yeah, so give the, give the boot to the local category, which. Um, yeah, I know a few people were upset at that, but you know that's what happens. Well, indeed, it was the, uh, the the correct option. It was the correct decision at the end of the day. Uh, we lost approximately an hour with the um, Scott Pye uh, accident, yep. uh, fixing, uh, moving the car, and then of course repairing the fence and, or should I say, the gate there, which needed to be repaired. You simply couldn't oh, yeah. leave that as it was. Yes, um, definitely not. And they did a very very good job on fixing that. But uh, yeah, that did of course uh, mean that they had to uh, shuffle the uh, the order for the rest of the day. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure 
uh, nobody was disappointed with uh, with the rest of the racing for the day. We come out a little bit later on with the uh, combined Super Two and Super Three series, which was magnificent. It's great to see uh, the Nissan uh, the Nissan Altimas. I nearly said Nissan Skylines. The Nissan Altimas <laughs> coming first in uh, race one and race two. That was uh, Matthew Payne in race one and Tyler Everingham in race two. Um, probably the the most consistent uh, was Tyler Everingham coming third in race three and winning. Sorry, coming third in race two and winning race one. He had a great outing there. And uh, unfortunately for Nash Morris, uh, the son of Paul Morris, who uh, was actually here during the week doing some, um, well, he'd been here for a while doing, getting some coaching at Wanneroo there, and uh, he was unable to finish both races. So I'm sure he'd be pretty disappointed with that, uh, basically coming in as uh, non-complete. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. But, uh, yeah, just speaking uh, br- briefly about the historic touring cars, uh, probably I thought the standout there was Greg Barr coming second in race two and uh, third in race, sorry, and first in race three and John Bondy first in race one and third in race, uh, sorry, th- first, and let me get this right, first in race two <laughs> and third in race three, given they just had the effectively the two races. Yeah, um, so look, yeah, Greg Barr obviously finished uh, ahead of the points for the weekend, followed by John Bondi and then Peter Piscaneri. Um, Brian, Brian Bondi uh, finished just ahead of Stuart Young. Um, and I'm going all the way back to Clint Rayner, who yes. um, unfortunately race two had a, had a non-result um, because, yeah, I think actually he probably would have taken out the race meet. If it wasn't for that second second race, so um, and you know he he was absolutely you know just you know almost drifting that yes, that around the whole track and um, you know commentators were getting quite um, yeah, excitable and I was up yes. in the up in the media <laughs> up in the media room uh, the um, yeah the the people up there you know they were all you know going you know, especially after the first race you know they were, they were quite cheering it all on and. Um, and of course, the Anthony game in the Hillman Hunter. Oh yeah, the Hillman he, Hunter. He, How yeah, he might have only scored four points for the weekend. Yep, but I think he scored the most airtime out of all the locals. <laughs> Didn't he just like yes. sliding that through turn seven? Yeah, uh, back out on track again. Just yeah. <laughs> And I think that's what we love about the historic touring cars is the array of cars. You spoke about the Hillman Hunter, obviously the HQ Monaros, Mustangs. And, the old uh, LJ Tiranas. Yes, the LJ Tiranas, the GTRs. And, of course, uh, I mentioned off air how much I absolutely love the big Ford Galaxy yeah. uh, taking on the little Mini Cooper S <laughs> of uh, Connor Afaro and Don Betts, of course, in the big Ford Galaxy. There's a little bit of onboard footage there if you uh, watch the telecast there. I think it's of uh, race three, I think. Yeah, race three on the Sunday morning, there where Connor Faro in the in the mini is being overtaken by uh, the big galaxy coming down the straight in towards turn seven, and it's just like little Connor Faro's mini Cooper S is standing still as the uh, <laughs> as like you know what three ton of steel overtakes him in the Ford Galaxy. Magnificent racing, yeah, Absolutely. but the array of cars. But just on that Clint Rayner um, in race three, he came from the back of the grid to second place. Yeah. You know, that was just magnificent. I mean, I, I know he put on his own circuit by drifting around the track, but it was just superb <laughs> racing. Uh, moving into the Radical Cup, um, top top of the field, equal points, um, Elliot Shute, uh, local running for uh, VGW, Beyond Custom Lee and Flinders, um, 
financial, I'm pretty sure. Um, Flinders Financial Services, yes. Um, he and uh, Bryce Moore running for lumberjacks.com.au and Flinders Financial. Uh, they both scored 70 points, swapping wins in each race. Yeah, that was great. Um, yep. And then uh, Madeline Stewart uh, finished second, oh, third um, to, with um, 49 points, so which was pretty cool. And she was racing um, as part of the Rise team. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they basically had two, two of their own on, on the podium, which, you know, statistically speaking, was going to happen. Yeah, that's right, um, yeah. But the series leader, um, Chris uh, Chris Perini, didn't have a very good weekend. No. He ended up uh, finishing ninth for the weekend. So Yes, I noticed that he came fifth in race two and uh, nothing to speak about in race one. Uh, look, I'll tell you what, it was great to see the young 16-year-old Caleb Sumich yeah. out there racing. Um, Sumich, a very uh, famous name here in sporting here in Western Australia, and uh, he is related to uh, Peter Sumich. Um, and, yeah, Caleb came fifth in race one and then uh, sixth in race two just behind uh, Chris Perini. Um, but, yeah, look, magnificent. A great category of cars to see the uh, the radicals out there. Um, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I think they were lapping at around 56 seconds, uh, which is right on supercar time. And, of course, uh, the they may not have the straight line speed of a supercar, but when you see how late they break coming into corners and the amount of corner speed they carry, oh, that would have been... Uh, and it would have been a magnificent um, thrill for Brock Feeney when he was testing up there on Monday uh, to uh, to have taken the radical out and experienced uh, you know, what it's like to drive a car through a corner quite so quick to carry as much corner speed as you can. Absolute Absolutely. thrill. All right, moving on. We're getting very late into the uh, episode. The uh, V8 Super Utes. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a um, mixed bag of results there. Ben Walsh uh, from Western Sydney Motorsport and uh, Aaron Borg from Cedars Racing Team ended up finishing on equal points. Um, and Rowan Barry, Abcore uh, Racing, ended up um, filling up the podium step. Um Mixed Toyota Hiluxes, Holden Colorados, Ford Rangers. So, you know, there's still some Holden versus Ford in there. Yeah, I understand. Purist. But, you know, like all these other cars exist now. It's just time to embrace them. Um, but, you know, as I said before, the flame spitting, the bump drafting, you know, great category to watch. Um, probably for somewhere like Wanneroo. Um, they probably should have lifted the pedals a little bit easier um, and not slammed them in so hard because they, they did have a few engine issues. Um, and uh, yeah, they, It's their first time coming to Perth uh, with uh, this particular setup of the V8 Utes um, and probably some of those drivers haven't been here before so probably didn't know what to expect and are probably a few thousand dollar lighters in repairs because of that. So yeah, yeah, indeed, they'll get over it. Yes, I think with the super utes is they are very they relate to what we'll see on the road. I mean, when I drive home tonight, when I drive home tonight, I'm bound to come across many of Absolutely. the uh, yeah the four door basically tradie utilities. I remember when they first began uh, going back about oh I suppose about four or five years ago in Adelaide when they had the uh, like the four cylinder diesel engines. It wasn't very exciting, but now they've gone and put the LS engines on board. Uh, yeah, they're right up there now when it's a it's a good category uh, yep. they come a long long way and i think it's a category we'll see for uh, for many a year to come 
All right, moving on. Super twos. Matthew Payne. Uh, I think you mentioned before took it out for the for the weekend. And Nissan Ultima. Tyler Everingham in another Nissan Ultima. Um, finished second, and the first of the Commodores um, came in uh, with Cameron Hill. Yes, um, it was Triple Eight Racing. So, yeah, the, the good thing for um, teams like Triple Eight Racing was, you know, they were able to grab the data from the Super Twos. Yep. And you know, maybe use a little bit of that in their main cars. Yes. Um, because you know, again, what you would have missed in our last week episode, we did discuss is that all the teams were coming to Perth with no data. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah. Because you know, it's been a few years since they've been here. Track was resurfaced the last time they're here. There's obviously been two years of wear and tear on the track since. So, um, so yeah, so they 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 would have ended up with a bit of a bonus uh, to see how things were going with those. And of course, back in Super Threes, um, Kai Allen, um, pretty much clean sweep of the round. Um, Blake Fardell and uh, Gary Hills um, rounding out the top three there. So, um, and of course, it was Brad Vaughan uh, that got that uh, lovely fine during the week. So, um, jumping into the supercars. Wow, wasn't this an amazing event? Uh, three 110 kilometer races or 46 laps. Yep. Uh, this was absolutely special and uh, this could have been on for anyone really. I mean, you think about some of the locals might have had a bit of an advantage, Brody Kostecki, uh, Jake Kostecki maybe, but um, you know they haven't actually turned many laps at Wanneroo. Well, that's kind of amazing when you think about that. that they is they, kind they of openly admitted it that they don't really come up and use the track. So yeah, you know, I mean, they are based over east. So, yes, you know, but yeah, um, but look, Van Gisbergen, Shane Van Gisbergen broke his you know no win at Wanneroo Hoodoo. Yes, um, so with two two wins over the weekend, um, and well, Will Davison obviously picked up the win. In uh, race eleven, yes, that's right. Um, yep. Which, uh, yeah, everyone's calling very controversial um, for the penalty. Um, depends that you know, look. Depends where you read it. Um, my understanding is that perhaps they called the penalty the wrong thing. Yes, yeah. they've given him a penalty for a certain thing, but they've called it something else. Yeah, yeah, and rather than track limits as such. Yeah, it was. It was unsafe re-entry. Yeah, that was the um, one. Yes. Yeah. That he got the fire. That he got the penalty for. Yes. Um, but there was there was something else that he was that they explained um, that Craig Baird explained. Yeah. Why he got the penalty, but um, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, the five second penalty. Um, you know, has taken Cam Waters from, you know, first bumped him all the way back to fourth. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and if yep. you look at the plain black and white, you do see. Yeah, a lot of the people doing the same thing. Oh, definitely. Um, but oh, it, yes. was, it was a very technical way that it was described why he got the penalty. Um, you know, which unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, you know, when you deal with the average race fan, you know, even myself, um, you know, we're not really looking at the technical. No, we just want to. You know, if it looks the same to us, yeah, that's we're right. probably going to go. That's a bit unfair. So yeah, but I- that's uh, yeah. What yeah. they've been copying since. So, yeah. um, and some pointed out that <laughs> that's Will's uh, second win um, 
from same circumstances. So, oh yes, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Look, there's no doubt about it. that. Was a real hairy one, and uh, gee, Tim Edwards from uh, Ford Performance Racing, or should I say, from Tickford, he was uh, well and truly ticked off and uh, made his uh, feelings uh, <laughs> known in no uncertain terms, and rightly, you know, rightly so. I was, uh, yeah, I was disappointed. But yeah, the way Craig Baird explained it, yeah, it did make good sense. But uh, yeah, disappointing for Cam Waters, uh, who was up the pointy end of the. Uh, of the racing all you know, all weekend, uh, third in race ten, as uh, you mentioned, fourth in race eleven, and still up there again, seventh in race twelve. Um, I thought the probably most consistent racer was Anton Di Pasquale, yeah, second in races ten and eleven, and uh, fourth in race twelve. Uh, almost putting uh, Will Davison to uh, to shame, although you know Will obviously performed very well in winning uh, race eleven. Uh, but gee, that's a that's a great little contest that one. But what about the uh, uh, should I say the uh, Walkinshaw Andretti United team, Chas Mostert and Nick Perkett? Gee, they couldn't get anything right. No. They just um, twenty first and twenty second in race ten. Um, 12th and 18th in race 11 and then you go back to and then you move on to race 12 15th and 19th right down the bottom of the pack yep. um i guess if you don't qualify well it makes it tough from there on um but yeah look as um i tell you what i we unless, spoke unless, of, you, unless you're Shane Ray Gisbergen and well, yeah, with that little rocket under him as well. Yeah, know? that's yeah, but, indeed. You know, saying that, you know, yeah, it, it was definitely a tough weekend for those guys, yes. Um and probably even tougher is going to be the family dinner exactly. for the Kostecki <laughs> That would have been interesting. Um, I was absolutely devastated there for uh, Jake Kostecki. He was on for a top 10 position there in the final race, uh, yeah. being race 12. And unfortunately, his uh, bigger and older cousin, Brody come down in turn seven on the second last lap and yeah. give him a massive hip and shoulder. Yep, and of and, course, both uh, of them ended up in the dirt. But, yes. Uh, Brody was the only one that managed to get out. So, yep. um, you know, and, and look, full credit to Brody straight away as soon as he first got interviewed, fully took full, full, full responsibility. Yeah. No, like, yeah, I take responsibility, but it was, yep, my responsibility, very yeah. sorry. Yeah. You know, I feel real bad. Uh, and then, of course, the guy cut across to Jake and, yeah. you know, even though he's just watched the interview. Yeah. Um, yeah, was still obviously looking very annoyed. Yes, he was, um, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, as you said, you know, he was in the top ten. Top 10 position. What a blow. Yeah. Um, In front of his home crowd. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Ah. So, uh, yeah, definitely wouldn't have wanted to be around that dinner table if they no, all got together. No, they certainly wouldn't be happy. And uh, it's good to see Kurt uh, Kostecki in the pits, um, you know, uh, working as an engineer for one of the teams. Um, but also, also with that particular incident there, I noticed the way Brock come down the hill and actually took out Jake. But in actual fact, he could have taken out um, uh, Brock Feeney. I think mm. he was trying to make the move on Brock Feeney up the inside. And when you look at the uh, the onboard footage there, Brock just sees this uh, car, Boost mobile car, just come across his bow and uh, take out the tradie car of his uh, of Jake. It was quite amazing. Um, but, yeah, that you're right. That was definitely uh, uh, going to um, oh, test the friendship there between the cousins. <laughs> and, look, the, uh, the there's probably one incident that flew under the radar a bit. Um, you know, because obviously not long after it happened, um, Scott Pye obviously uh, ended up in the wall, yeah. and um, that was uh, that was on the opening lap. Um, Holdsworth's front left tire just vanished. Yes, um, up through the S's. Yep, which is you know pretty hairy, 
situation as it is heading into turn four. Um, Randall's followed behind and ended up in the back end of uh, Holdsworth. Yeah. No fault of his own. Uh, and and then uh, Macaulay Jones has uh, joined the party and gone right up the back of Absolutely. Randall and... and uh, indeed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you've got some uh, terrific series of photographs. You were on the spot there uh, around turn two taking. Absolutely magnificent. You've caught the, the action spot on. But, yeah, unfortunately Holdsworth and uh, Randall effectively tripped over each other and uh, that left massive damage to the front left of uh, Holdsworth's car. Well, I don't think there was much else Randall could do. You know, like if you do look at the sequence of photos, you know, he's... He's essentially, you know, the, I mean, it starts off off the uh, off the shot, but you know, you can see here, you know, Holdsworth has, you know, effectively, you know, he's got no control at no, the front end. That's right. Yeah, he's just come sliding across in front of Randall. Randall, if he was to turn right, he would have you know, effectively pit manoeuvred Holdsworth. Yes. At you know, a few hundred k's an hour. Yep. Uh, a couple hundred k's, perhaps, and uh, that would not have been. Good, no, and especially a, leading up through the S's. And exactly, you've went anywhere the, uh, on the track, but not true. Um, you know, you've got basically on the left of you, you've got a concrete wall. Yes, uh, with all your fans standing right in f- behind it. Yep. Uh, to the right, you've got a severe drop off. Indeed, down into the infield. Um, yes. You know, so and there's a lot of concrete barriers and stuff down there as well. So you know, I think um, yeah, Randall just had the whole position as he did and. Um, not much he could do, not much uh, Paul Macaulay-Jones could do, and really not much Holdsworth could do either. So No, no, and um, uh, looking at the photographs, I mean, yeah, poor old Macaulay-Jones was the, the innocent party there, literally running in the back of uh, of Randall. But you see uh, just, uh, just behind... Um, and Macaulay Jones there is Chaz Mostert, and he's been able. Don't know if he's seen the action and been able to just shuffle to the right hand side and get around. Uh, but that yeah, that accident could have been uh, so much worse. And it is one of those real precarious little parts of the track um, that uh, where the cars turn to the left and then back to the right because you've yeah. got the wall on the left hand side. And it's uh, it's a very very fast section track. In actual fact, the track was modified there. Uh, they uh, built a bus stop effectively, a theory sort of a bus stop there for the motorbikes so the motorbikes no longer use that section of s they come to uh, turn three there and turn uh, right mm. um, and it was obviously you know for, for safety reasons so it is uh, it's one of the great characters of the track and it is uphill and over the top of, uh, of a little hill it's a great part of the track but yeah uh, if something goes wrong there you can quite easily find yourself in the wall on the left hand side yep and that's happened to Mark's case down off well, that, right. yeah, indeed. We'll probably go roly poly. Yeah, well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> it is steep down there, and as you say, they've got a, a large concrete wall that separates um, the exit of turn four. Should I say, if you run over the top there, uh, heading down turn four, um, that separates you from the back straight, effectively yeah. between turn six and turn seven. Um, I think we saw an example going back a few years in Phillip Island there where one of the cars um, had an issue with the steering at turn one and went right across the other side of the track and um, uh, nearly hit the oncoming cars on the other side of the track. But, yeah, that was um, a nasty little accident there for uh, Lee Holdsworth. Uh, I did see, uh, actually watched the replay um, during the uh, last few days, and I noticed that uh, Lee Holdsworth and Thomas Randall having a chat about that, and they both uh, understood that, gee, there was, they were both the wrong place the wrong time was yep. the fault of no one. Yep. Uh, just one of those racing incidents. 
Absolutely. And just briefly on the Nick, per- oh, sorry, Nick Perkett, uh, he came last pretty much on the Scott Pye incident there with uh, Jack LeBrock. Um, gee, that was a tough call. Um, you know, was there overlap there? Uh, was it, you know, was it a matter of maybe uh, Jack LeBrock lifting or was Scott Pye uh, crowding him, pushing him off the track there on the, uh, the home straight there? Very mm. interesting. And um, obviously it caused a massive delay, but that was another a huge talking point of the, uh, of the race meeting. Because how amazing was it they got that car back out for the final race of the weekend? I yeah. Bet. Yep. Well, hang on. Am I looking at it? I'm looking at the wrong timings. Hang on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Huge rebuild there for the uh, team. No, they didn't. I'll take that back. Yeah, no, Team 18, they've got a massive rebuild before Winton. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge job. I mean, that car is, uh, gee, you'd almost consider cutting the thing in half and throwing away the rear end and building a, <laughs> or basically starting with a whole new chassis because it's a massive amount of damage on there. Um, but, yeah, quickly retrieved and, uh, you know, it, just, uh, it was great to see the racing uh, being able to carry on. Yep, yep. Well, look, um we're going to finish up there. We're going to, just uh, briefly want to just oh. cover the Spanish MotoGP. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll do some two-wheel stuff quickly. Yeah, from Jerez there, and it was uh, Peco Bagnaia uh, from Italy on the Ducati came first. Fabio Quattararo, who's uh, come from nowhere in the last three years, from France on board the Yamaha, he was second. Uh, Alicia Spargro in the Aprilia third. Mark Marquez, the Repsol Honda, and we thought we might have seen the last of Mark Marquez after his uh, accident going back about, oh, just over 12 months ago. And uh, he came in fourth place. And Jack Miller, our Australian Jack, Aussie Jack there on board the Ducati, came in fifth. Now, Jack qualified fourth. Um, from the start into turn one, he was third. And he was, I don't can't say he was actually fighting for second with Fabio, uh, but uh, looked comfortably in third there for the majority of the race. And it did seem like he had the um, he had the wood over Mark Marquez, uh, the Repsol Honda, but Marquez was able to take him, I suppose, with about four laps to go. And uh, oh, sorry, uh, Alicia Sparger, I should say, with about four laps to go. And then on, I think it was the um, the last turn of the penultimate lap, Mark Marquez uh, dove uh, drove, uh, rode underneath him on the uh, on the last turn there and uh, went on to uh, take fourth place from Jack, but. Uh, Look, you know, uh, what what I wanted to mention was when you look at the uh, field of bikes, first Ducati, second Yamaha, third Aprilia, fourth Honda, and uh, sixth was uh, Suzuki. So all the manufacturers are, um, are fighting it out there in MotoGP, and it's a it's it's a great racing the MotoGP, really good racing, and to see the amount of spectators they had there in Spain, uh, Jerez in Spain, magnificent venue and um, a really good spectacle. So uh, it was a huge weekend of uh, motorsport for us, Shane. Yep, and uh, look, we'll finish up, definitely finish up there this time. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, yeah be back next weekend. Uh, next week, yeah, we should uh, local stuff should be kicking off again. Well, that's um, right. Yep. Probably in a couple of weeks, and then uh, that, and then yeah, hopefully we'll get some more news from around uh, around the place. Um, just want to say, if you haven't listened to the other podcast, Behind the Sport, uh, did a fantastic interview with Jessica Dane um, from Triple Eight Racing slash Red Bull uh, Ampol Racing. Um, I, I don't say this about many of our episodes, 
Um, and it's not because I don't believe this, but um, Jess Dane's one is one that I think that no one should miss. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. Like, I want everyone to listen to all of them, yeah. but Jess Dane's one in particular, there's some really interesting, intriguing stuff in that one. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. So make sure you get it on to behindthesport.net. Make sure you find that Jess Dane episode. Of course, it'll be the last episode listed up. And uh, have a listen to that because uh, you'll also be in for a bit of a treat about uh, what she's up to now. Mm-hmm.